0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. This is Julie Solomon, and we are having a fun month because we are celebrating my very first book, Get What You Want, How to Go from Unseen to Unstoppable. It is now available wherever books and audiobooks are sold. And if you did not hear last week's episode where I gave you the entire introduction for free, make sure to go back and listen to that episode. It's episode 269 to hear that introduction. Now today, to continue, to celebrate the launch of the book, I'm giving you a listen to a big portion of chapter one for free. So in chapter one, I reveal to you what an origin story is. I also share my origin story and how we all use our origin story to hold ourselves back from perfectionism to people pleasing to validation to worthiness. We all fall victim to our origin story when we use it to define our current reality. So I hope that you use this section of chapter one to figure out how you're using your own origin story to hold yourself back. Be ready to take notes. I am going to help you figure out what your origin story is and ways in which you may be self-sabotaging yourself by using it to define where you are today. Now, if you want to grab the rest of the audiobook or get your hands on the hard copy, just go to juliesolomon.net slash get what you want or wherever you love to buy books and make sure that you submit your order number over at juliesolomon.net slash get what you want because if you do I'm going to send you a free ticket to a live virtual workshop that I am leading later this summer that is going to help you put everything that you learn in this book into action. I am going to be coaching you in a very in-depth full workshop day. You will not want to miss this day so make sure to submit your order number over there and we will send you a free ticket to that live event and without further ado let's get started. Welcome to the influencer podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon. If you found yourself here, it means you are ready to unleash the powerful visionary that lives inside you, turning you into an authentic leader who creates influence, impact, and change. Let's get started. Chapter one, what's holding you back? It's the first week of March, 1999. All the privileged kids my age are about to find out if they have been accepted to the private school of their choice based on their expertise or vocation. Some are hoping to go the creative route, some the academic path, and some are hoping to play sports. Other kids, born into the right families, are choosing their schools based on where their parents went. They're counting on nepotistic favors. None of these options were available to me. As a 13-year-old girl who grew up in a working class small town, I had been thrust into this privileged world when, a few years prior, my mom moved us from our small town to Nashville, Tennessee, and then met my stepfather. Even though I had a couple years to get used to it, it was still a whole new world to me. From the outset, I struggled with feeling like an outsider. At the time, I didn't know why, but my feelings of not belonging were undeniable. The other kids seemed to have gotten a memo that did not come to me. They all had the right hair, right clothes, and right attitude. I was a pudgy eighth grader with round glasses and thick blunt bangs that made me look like a version of Daria Morgendorfer from the show Daria, minus the Arabic tone and combat boots. I didn't make honor roll, I wasn't a star athlete, and I didn't excel in music, nor did I have the right last name. Creative, academic, sporty, and gifted were not adjectives that were used to describe me. My stepdad generously poured his hard-earned money into this private middle school so that I could gain access to better education. He is a smart, vital, honest man of faith. As a prominent leader in the community who ran a successful business, he could afford to grant me access to things like private school and country clubs. And I know how lucky I am to have had him truly care. Of course... These were places that I knew nothing about from my small-town upbringing. I was invited to people's beach houses for spring break and over-the-top bat mitzvahs. I'd never seen anything like it. Where I was born and grew up for the better part of my childhood, no one had beach houses. No one had TVs in their cars, theater rooms, manicured lawns, or ice makers that make that awesome ice that I thought you could only get from Sonic. Where I'm from, no one even knew how to say or spell bat mitzvah. After being introduced to all of this, my 13-year-old mind just started to expand with the idea that, oh, wow, this is possible? So I had all this hope in the world that I, too, would be invited to be a part of the privileged group of high schoolers to be accepted to a private school. A small part of me was like, yeah, I belong here, why not? For the first time, I was beginning to understand that there was a world outside of my own, A world of limitless opportunity, abundance, money, and freedom. This was my first glimpse of seeing the way other people lived, worked, worshipped, communicated, and shared. Being able to witness what was possible was an incredible privilege, but it also came with a caveat. Because of my own upbringing, all this wealth, success, abundance, and privilege made me feel like a fraud. Like I was living someone else's life. After all, this is not where I come from. And it wasn't what I was born into. It was as though I was conditioned to believe in only what I had seen or known. Back to that day in March 1999, I was in school waiting to hear the news. Was I accepted into the prestigious all-girls private school that was the natural next step for all the privileged girls at my middle school? Every friend of mine that had applied was in. Their parents had called the school that day to let them know. But for me, all I heard was crickets nada nothing i tried not to let my mind go to the worst case scenario deep down i had a sense of dread but i wouldn't allow myself to admit it instead i placated myself for the rest of the day of course i was in of course of course they want me no one else seemed to be rejected i figured my mom wanted to wait to tell me in person so we could celebrate together When I got home that afternoon, I ran into the kitchen to grab a snack, my favorite hobby, and was met by my mom, who had a very sad look on her face. In that instant, I knew. They don't want me, do they? I said, while I stuffed my face with Oreos, trying my best to numb the realization that what I had been fearing was true all along. All I could think at the moment was, my whole future is over. I'm not going to this great high school, I'm not going to go to college. Everything my mother has worked for and done was for naught. My mom, always trying her best to figure out the ideal solution to any situation, quickly perked up. They've put you on the waiting list, but I've already spoke to them about getting you in soon. They clearly don't know what's good for them, and to be honest, I don't know how I feel about you even going to a school that could make such a stupid mistake like this. I mean, I thought they were supposed to be smart over there. My mom is a force to be reckoned with. She was born into a loving home with four siblings. Her dad, my grandfather, was the small-town realtor. Her mom, my grandmother, was a homemaker with an incredible gift of painting that was never fully realized. My mom never went to college, but she had enough street smarts and people skills to have earned a Ph.D. in life. She's a master at sales, persuasion, and getting what she wants, while at the same time, making people feel really good about the decision. Make them think it's their idea, she'd always tell me. She's a fake it till you make it type and believes doing so taps into a divine source of power. She'd rather starve than take a handout and always takes no as a jumping off point to start negotiations. To put it simply, she was an influencer before being an influencer was cool. A lot of my relentlessness, determination, resourcefulness, and unwavering faith comes from her. My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. No matter your niche, Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. Business for sponsoring the show. Looking back and being a mother now, I can only imagine how hard days like that were for her. Though, she never let me see it. She wanted so badly for her children to have a life that she knew was possible, but she could only control so much. As my mom always says, you truly are only ever as happy as your least happy child. The thing is, I was never waitlisted. My mom just told me that to make me feel better. The truth was I was flat out denied. I never told my mom that I overheard the real conversation she had on the phone with the school's administrator later that week. In her stern voice, she said, You're telling me that you're not going to let her in. She is only one of two girls in her entire school that didn't get in. So you're going to break up two girls from the entire friend circle, from everything that they know. And that makes you feel good to accept an entire grade except for two girls. At that moment, all my negative beliefs started flooding my body. I was right. I don't belong. They don't want you here. They would see through you sooner or later, you fake. Who do you think you are? You know better than to think you could truly be accepted as you are. I didn't have the grades or the athletic ability or the right last name. My biggest fear was coming true. The community that I so badly wanted to be a part of slammed the door on me and said, no, thank you. Julie need not apply. This experience led me to create an internal dialogue that I allowed to hold me back for years. The story was that I was an outsider. I didn't belong. I was unworthy. This feeling of rejection stayed with me for decades. If it wasn't a school, it was a job or a guy or a community that I wanted to belong to It was a pattern that would continue to repeat itself. Everywhere I went, I wanted to belong. Every person I was with, I wanted to love me just to validate my human existence. Validation is such a powerful driving force in all of our lives. It's what compels us to do all sorts of things, like achieve. Validation can be the difference between rising out of the ashes or self-destructing completely. What was also happening in this moment was an identity crisis, Who am I anyway? Where do I belong? We spend most of our lives trying on new masks to please other people instead of focusing on what makes us feel whole and worthy. Does this one fit? Do these people like me in this mask? And then we get reaffirmed, or not. People accept us, or they don't. We just keep trying on masks until we find the one that works enough for most people to like us. This smile works, this attitude works, this body posture works, these clothes work, or this school or community works. But works for whom? For them? Of course, we get something out of it. We get affirmation and acceptance. But at what cost? One day we wake up and realize we're liked and affirmed for our masks, but not for our real, true, authentic selves. And worse we start to have trouble keeping hold of what our authenticity looks like. Like most girls in middle school, I was trying to figure out where I belonged and who I was. I was rejected for being who I thought I was becoming. And I wasn't good enough just being Julie. Couple this with my own insecurity and feeling shame for not being born into this privileged world, it was a recipe for some serious self-loathing. I knew I had to dig deep, start over, and build myself from the ground up. Never did I want to come across as some weak victim. I would sometimes find myself thinking, Oh, boo-hoo, little orphan Julie. You felled out of place at your little private school. Oh, I feel so bad for you because a great man married your mom and helped your parents support you. Get over yourself. But here's the real fact. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter whether you're rich, poor, or anywhere in between. We all have shame. I have had no money, and I have had a lot of money and I can attest both come with a heaping pile of shame. Having this mindset of growing up with not a lot of money and seeing how poverty-stricken my dad's upbringing had been, I was indoctrinated to believe that we didn't have enough. Shame doesn't discriminate. The shame of not having enough feels just like the shame of having more than enough. Most important, receiving without shame is one of the most challenging things I see many women face my origin story. Do you know what an origin story is in the DC and Marvel comic worlds? It's the detailed journey of how normal seeming people end up saving the world all while having hot bodies. There's usually tights involved, which is the only thing my origin story and the comic origin stories have in common. Instead of a superhero though, I like to think of myself as a typical American girl which sounds like either a kick-ass Tom Petty song or an overpriced doll that I begged my mom for as a child. And neither one of those things. But I do have something in common with the doll. We each come with an emotionally satisfying backstory and more than a few jaunty accessories, each sold separately. Also, somewhat like my story, those dolls start off their childhood encountering some massive life-changing event like World War II, the Great Depression, or in the case of Samantha, growing up an orphan until her uncle adopts her and gives her a life of opportunity. By the way, this always seemed like a misstep to me. If you're introducing strong female characters to kids, perhaps you should start with a triumphant, non-bondage plotline. Where's that brawless, glorious diamond doll like Samantha? My origin story was not one of in-crowd Southern society and country club brunches. It was one of rejection and not belonging. Growing up. I always needed everyone to like me. I distinctly remember in second grade throwing my beloved doll in the trash while crying my eyes out because a girl in my class said dolls were for babies and made fun of me. I adored that doll with her long hair, big smile, and purple dress with matching purse. She had it all in my eyes. But having a classmate think less of me was worse than being honest about my love for my favorite Christmas gift. I was convinced she said what she said about my treasured doll because she didn't like me. I think it's because of that instinct that I always wanted to assimilate, blend in, look and talk like everyone else with the hope that people would like me. I also realized that anytime somebody liked me, I automatically liked them back only because they liked me. They saw something in me that was likable. I guess since I spent so much time and effort trying to be like everyone else, to blend in, that I had forgotten to find anything about myself that I liked. And this story is one that owned me for many years. I would see it thread through my life, like in my early 30s when I began to create what is now my business— I started to show up and support large groups of women by helping them create businesses they loved that made an impact, gained recognition, and saw success. Over time, tens of thousands of women joined my newsletter, invested in my programs, and listened to my podcast weekly to get the support they wanted. My origin story of not belonging began to change as I surrounded myself with like-minded women who shared my vision for greater success and freedom in their lives. Just when I thought I had gotten to the other side of my origin story, I came to realize that I hadn't dealt with some of the core beliefs around my lack of worthiness. It was spring of 2017. I had recently launched the Influencer Podcast, and it was gaining real traction. I was putting a lot of time, love, and passion into the podcast, sourcing guests, interviewing them, writing blog posts, marketing content around the podcast, and engaging with the listeners on social media. I had thought about starting a podcast a few years prior, but due to my lack of confidence and courage, I kept resisting. About six months prior to launching my podcast, another female entrepreneur had launched one. Witnessing the courage she had to get out there and make it happen was so inspiring to me. I would listen to her podcast and hear the joy that it was bringing her and the service it was providing to her community. In my eyes, she had it all, a top-rated podcast, a community of super loyal listeners, hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram, and a beautiful visual brand. She was also the creator of successful online programs that were making her millions. She knew how to draw people in with her very real and raw content. She was one of the first people I saw sharing intimate parts of her personal life and was paving the way for beautiful conversations around body positivity and loving the skin you're in. Her content went viral, being liked and shared all over social media. She was known for her uplifting spirit, community over competition taglines, and being a girl's girl who helps other women reach their goals. On the outside looking in, her brand felt inspiring, motivating, and authentic. It was as though she had everything I aspired to have. I quickly put this woman on a pedestal. When I launched my podcast, I put her name, along with a few other women who had inspired me, In my podcast description, as a nod of inspiration. A few months after I launched my podcast, I had an episode titled, Want to Make 100K? Try This, that hit the top of the podcast episode charts. It was all about business growth using my offer, prospect, and sales method, and how to gain more followers and traction. Within a week, the episode had been downloaded more times than any other episode in the same marketing category. The episode also took the number one spot on the podcast marketing charts. I was floored. Nothing like this had ever happened with any of the work I had done. And it felt good. It felt like I had finally landed on something that people wanted and that I could provide. It felt like I finally found a place where I could belong, be seen, and shine. The next week, to my surprise, an email from the woman whose podcast and business I had admired so much popped up in my inbox. I was so elated. I had no idea why she was emailing me, but I immediately went into fantasy mode. Maybe she wants me to be on her podcast. Maybe she would come on mine. Maybe she wants to connect and be friends. Instead, I got this. Huge congrats on launching your podcast. It looks great. We've never met, but I just found your show on iTunes and noticed that you mentioned both my podcast name and my personal name in your description. While I know you had pure and wise intentions... We were never approached about this or asked about it. As someone who's been working so hard at her podcast, I cringed a bit when I saw you writing the coattails of so many women who have done the same to help build your podcast up without any relation, connection, or permission. I realize it's part of your strategy when it comes to people searching on iTunes, but would it be possible to remove my information from your description as we or our sponsors aren't affiliated with your show? I don't feel like it's a fair depiction of what you're doing, and since I've never met you or been a guest on yours, I feel a little off about being listed right in your description. I was frozen. I remember staring at my computer. My jaw dropped, and I felt a huge knot in my throat while trying to hold back the tears. I couldn't believe my actions had made her cringe. I couldn't believe she thought I was trying to ride her coattails. That thought made me feel embarrassed and ashamed. The same story played through my head just as it had done when I was 13 years old and many times since. They don't want you here. You don't belong. I knew they would see through you sooner or later, you fake. Who do you think you are? To say I was hurt and crushed would be an understatement. I couldn't believe she had taken my inspiration that way. I was confused as I thought this woman, who had been such a leader in supporting other women and going after your goals, would have responded differently. Part of me wanted to cry. Part of me wanted to call her out for not being who I told myself she was. Part of me wanted to write her back and say, oh, don't worry. I say far worse things to myself on a daily basis. Instead, I got defensive. I felt like I needed to explain myself. I wrote her back trying to make her see my side and trying my best to show her we were relatable. My destructive, people-pleasing patterns of trying to justify, rationalize, defend, and explain came roaring through as I desperately tried to show her that my intentions were pure. I wanted to prove to her that it never occurred to me that something so innocent as a praiseworthy mention needed approval from her or her team. I wanted her to understand. I wanted her to change her mind. I still wanted her to like me. And as much as I tried to force it, it didn't work. And here's the thing. She responded the way she did because people only see from their perspective and project from their own worlds. Her feelings were just as valid as mine. Yes, I was hurt, but it doesn't make her a bad person. Her response may have surprised me, but it also gave me an incredible gift. The gift to see people and things for what they really were, not for what I believed they were. It also taught me a profound lesson about self-love. A woman who loves and trusts herself gives herself an incredible gift, the ability to love and trust other women. I could now see how much I depended on the approval of other people I looked up to and admired and the effect it had on me. I felt like I was back in middle school waiting for the phone call that would change everything, that someone outside of me could validate my worthiness. And just like back when I was young, I believed I didn't belong. I believed in someone else's idea of me more than I believed in myself. I could finally wrap my head around how much this belief of needing to be accepted by others was holding me back. And the big part I had in it. I could finally see how all this desire to please was putting my own happiness in the hands of people I didn't even know. This isn't just me. So many of the women I coach also struggle with this sense of belonging, but still need the validation of others to give themselves the permission to belong. Why is our own self-confidence Value, acceptance, and approval contingent on what other people think? The answer comes down to this because it makes us feel better about not liking ourselves. This comes from our origin story, the story we believe about ourselves. I believed I wasn't worthy unless someone invited me to their party, their school, their podcast, their club, their social media circle. I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere, and I desperately wanted to belong. The problem with our origin story is that it holds us back. We fall victim to our origin story when we use it to define our current reality. When triggered like that, we cease to grow. Our brains become fixed, finite, and self-limiting. We can't see other possibilities, which is the perfect opportunity for our excuses to come in and play a leading role in our lives. Our origin story becomes our excuse for everything we don't want to face in our own lives. What's the payoff of living from your origin story? It usually is that you don't have to take personal accountability for your life. You can continue to play the victim, live inauthentically, and it's everyone else's fault. The payoff is that the problem remains them or out there. The payoff is that your issues are for someone else to solve. The payoff is using perfectionism as the excuse to blame others for our own suffering. Perfectionism is just a tool to use so you can see and find what all is going wrong in the world that you can fall victim to. Perfectionism is just a mask of victimhood. The insidious thing about blaming others is we turn that blame inward eventually. We begin to believe we must be deeply flawed. We think we're unfixable. So again, what's the point? We are not good enough or smart enough to have solved this problem ourselves, We think it was something we did or did not do. These are our feelings of guilt and shame. Nicole's origin story. I saw this coming up recently with a coaching client of mine. Nicole is a third-generation Latina who runs a marketing strategy company. On a recent coaching call, she shared with me that a big part of her always felt like she was attaching her worth and value to the success of her clients. She confided in me that she felt the most anxiety and frustration when she thought she was failing her clients. After all, their success is fundamentally tied to her success, so she thinks. The weight of tying her clients' outcomes to her success was becoming too much to bear. It was holding her back from her own success. I walked her through my steps of unlocking the root cause of the pain, which led to her origin story. Nicole's origin story starts with her mom, who had Nicole when she was 15 years old. Her mom came from an abusive household, as did Nicole's grandmother. Her grandmother was forced into prostitution to provide for her family and created a journey full of struggle and pain. Nicole's mom was a high school dropout with little means. Fearful of not being able to provide the best kind of life for her child, she tried to abort Nicole multiple times. Then, in her eighth month, she turned to a local healthcare clinic to get some help. Watching her single mother struggle to survive created a belief system for Nicole. She came to believe there were limitations on abundance, success, and freedom. As Nicole grew up, went to college, and started her own company, she began to see success. But her unconscious beliefs caused her to self-sabotage opportunities. Whether Nicole realized it or not, she was behaving this way because deep down she believed that in order to be successful in life, she had to struggle just like her mother and grandmother did before her. These limiting beliefs made her feel less confident in the work she did. It made her want to disappear or resist launching new services, all of which had ramifications on her business. I feel like I can't put myself out there yet, Nicole told me. I can't share the wins or successes I am having when I have clients who are paying me and aren't seeing the same kind of success I am seeing. It almost makes me feel like I give myself this excuse that I can't put myself out there. Nicole saw this modeled in her own home and the relationship between her mother and grandmother. Her mother felt shame for wanting more because her mom, Nicole's grandmother, had to struggle so much. It was as if Nicole's mom believed she needed to inherit the struggle in order to prove her love and loyalty to her family. And now Nicole was believing the same. So I asked her, do you believe that you're a mirror for your clients? I do, she said. I don't know if that's good or bad. And then I asked, do you think that if you are succeeding and you choose to share that with them and with the world, that maybe that would give them the permission they need to do the same? That instead of having them inherit your limiting belief, they could inherit your success? And I'm wondering if you're keeping yourself small to make your clients feel better. I wonder if that may be holding you back. It immediately clicked for Nicole. She was able to see how spot-on that new perspective was and how her origin story had been holding her back. I explained to Nicole that being on a different level than her customers or clients is not a bad thing. That is the entire point of why they hired her. She is their leader. They are looking to her to lead. The more Nicole shines her light, the more she creates the path to shepherd her community along that path as well. But if she chooses to let her origin story hold her back, There will be a lot of people out there who won't find her because the path is either too dark or not visible at all. I said, We know that you've tried dimming your light and watering down what you're happy about, what you're proud of, and what you've accomplished. You've done that, and we know how that makes you feel and the results that it gets you. Then I asked, What else could you try? Nicole took a deep breath and, with confidence, said, I could try just being completely unashamed of my success but it's so hard for me to talk about success without feeling shame or the concern that I'm rubbing someone the wrong way or coming across as bragging. I stopped Nicole in that moment and asked her, well, what would happen if you rubbed someone the wrong way? She said, that wouldn't matter to me except from the perspective of if they were a client of mine. Then she paused. It was like a light bulb went off. However, I don't really think any of my clients would think that way. I think that's just me. That's my fear of success. I then asked Nicole, have you ever had a client say, I want to stop working with you because I think you're bragging? (laughs) We both busted out laughing as Nicole said, definitely not. I asked her if she thought she could give herself permission to just shine brighter. She said she believed it was possible. It's this limiting belief around our origin story that made women like myself and my coaching clients like Nicole become such high achievers. The biggest motivator for high achievers is, I don't want people to see me as anything less. So that relentlessness to achieve can bring success. It's helped me help women just like Nicole. But it can also hold us back if we aren't mindful of how we're using it. Fast forward to today, Nicole no longer believes in the origin story that held her back for so many years. Nicole was able to shed her old stories and set new heights for herself that year bringing in over six figures in revenue, more than she had ever done. She also saw her mom release limiting beliefs as well. Nicole's mom is now COO of the very same healthcare clinic that helped her give birth to Nicole years ago. So it's a beautiful, full-circle story of perseverance. There's an incredible amount of redemption in their family unit as well. Her mom went through a healing process with her grandmother, and Nicole has been able to witness this continued progression within her family legacy. Nicole is a great example of what can happen when we release the bond of our origin story and no longer let it hold us back. We not only have the power to transform ourselves, but we have the power to transform and heal others as well. If hurt people can hurt people, healed people can heal people. Your origin story. What is your origin story? We all have one. It may be around relationships, money, achievement, success. The list goes on. What is it that's holding you back? Where do you feel like you don't belong? Where do you feel unworthy and helpless? What ways are you resistant to receive support and why? All the decisions that we make, whether in our business, our home, or our relationships, come from a core belief that is born out of our origin story. Whatever that core belief is, That's what we're going to live out. For example, if you learned as a child that you can't trust anyone or that someone is always out to get you, then it's going to come into play when you become an adult and start to work and live your life, because you carry that belief with you. This is how your origin story has an impact on how you live your life and show up in the world. Just because you've always believed something to be true doesn't mean that it's true. You might not be able to change how you were raised, but you can change how you believe that story you can change your beliefs. If you want to change, you need to change the way you think about yourself and the world around you. You get to change. You get to disrupt. You get to make different choices. Sometimes we don't feel like we can because we are worried about what our family will think of us or what our friends, neighbors, heck, even strangers on Instagram will think of us. Consider this your permission slip to change. Consider this your invitation to a whole new group where you will always belong. It's a group of people who aren't willing to let others hold them back. You're welcome here. I'm here. We're all here waiting for you. Join us. So there you have it, a large portion of Chapter 1. If you want to keep diving into Chapter 1 because I still share so much in it, you can head over to juliesolomon.net slash getwhatyouwant want. Order the book wherever you wanna order the book or the audiobook wherever books are sold and you're gonna to get to dive into more of this. Now, I wanna remind you that pretty much every single chapter of my book at the very end has study guides and prompts that you can use in real time to start diving into all of these actionable tools. So even if you order the audiobook, I would highly encourage you to get a copy of the hard copy just so you can write in it and be able to highlight what you need to and really start putting all of this into action. Have a great rest of your week and I'll see you same time, same place next week. As always, thank you so much for joining me today and every week here on the Influencer Podcast.